It's Monday, and you know what that means. Welcome to Throne Zone Season 3, Episode 2. This is your captain speaking, along with said Daniel of House Crimmins. Good morning, good morning, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. Yes, and on this lovely summer day. Um, so, we're four episodes into uh, House of the Dragon, almost at the halfway point. Um, and the pieces are well and truly on the board. Oh, yeah. Especially after last night, like, you know, one of the complaints I've heard is, oh, it's slow, but you got to think, Game of of Thrones season one, first couple episodes were kind of slow, too, and it's it's like a game of chess, you know, you you have to get everything on the board, all the pieces in the right place. Yeah, these are a whole new bunch of characters. Oh, yeah. that we're being introduced to with Game of Thrones. I actually season one is about getting to know who everybody is. And there's a lot of characters to get to know in season one. Once you know who everybody is, I found season one of Game of Thrones much more enjoyable on a rewatch. Oh, same here. Honestly, I think it was one of the better ones. Yeah. Once you know who everybody is, you go back and watch it. You realize just how strong that first season was. Um, and we're probably going to feel the same way about House of the Dragon when we, once we have the whole story and then we go back and rewatch season one before season two next year. Oh, yeah. But that's not to say we're not enjoying it right now. It's going from strength to strength. Like, they they started off with a whole bunch of dragon action. We had very little dragon action in, in the last episode. In episode three, however, we did get some fire raining down. Oh, at yeah. the end. Um, so before we begin, you can raise your banners for us by giving the channel a like. Follow us on social media, of course, at Zone UK. Um, so first off, we talked in our first episode about how Rhaenyra changed between the first two episodes, becoming much more confident um, in episode two. She changed again for episode three, becoming even more fierce. And now again in episode four, so... Last week, we moved forward about three years uh, since episode two, and all of a sudden, the king has a son. Rhaenyra's claim is threatened. Um, not only that, but she feels betrayed by her best friend, now stepmother, who is also pregnant with a second child by Viserys. So naturally, she's she's very she's become very hostile as uh, Rhaenyra. I think in addition to becoming hostile, she's become isolated. Yeah, well, she's lost her best friend. Allison really. Hightower was like the one person that she felt she could relate to and talk to, and know that you know Allison was going to be honest with her, you know. And there was, you know, kind of like the romantic they had romantic feelings with with each other, and you know, I I think she feels betrayed on that regard as well. But you know, I I don't know. Like, there's a lot to unpack with that. Yeah, um, she she has become one of, if not the most complex character, because she's going through so much so quickly. Um, and I think she's uh, 18 at this point now. So she's been going through this for like four years. Yeah, 18, 19-ish, I think. Um, and <laughs> obviously she's acting up now, which is burdening the king, so to speak. You know, he uh, he said, I believe it was last, yeah, it was last night's episode, there was a line, 
you know, he's trying to get her married off and she's and she says, I will. She says, you want me married off because I'm a political. You don't want me to be a political headache. And he snaps back with right now. You are my political headache. Yeah. Viserys is very difficult to read right now because obviously he finally has a son who to most people should be heir to the throne, but yeah. he's named Rhaenyra heir to the throne. And as much as he's always wanted a son to inherit the throne, he seems very much to be committed to, no, Rhaenyra's next in line. Exactly. And, you know, he, t- he tells himself that's what he wants. Like, he's saying, you know, I wanted, I want Rhaenyra, I promised it to her. But, you know, there's already precedent there. You know, Damon was heir apparent. You disinherited him. So it's... And I, I think that's where Rhaenyra is coming from. Is she's thinking, well, you know, you, you already stripped Damon. You know, what's to stop you from taking it away from me? Yeah, and she's always obviously had this very strong bond with Damon, which, needless to say, has got very much stronger uh, since last night's episode. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Almost in the uh, biblical sense. You know what? We're we're very much aware of how incestuous the Targaryen dynasty always was and yet somehow it still kind of takes us by surprise when that kind of thing happens and people don't realize they think well I thought that was a Lannister thing no it wasn't yeah exactly that that's that was all the more um shocking about uh Jamie and and um Cersei yeah um like this isn't a Lannister thing, and yet no. somehow people you know, didn't was, really seem that bothered by it. There was always a, the theory that Jamie and Cersei Lannister were really the children of Ares Targaryen and Joanna Lannister. Yeah, one of the many things that uh, D&D didn't really want to explore. Uh, what about you don't hear about them? Right. <laughs> Like they oh, yeah. come back in their hole and are just, you know, doing yeah. what they lost the Disney deal, the Star Wars deal. Thank God. Yeah, we're not supposed to talk about those two. They don't exist. No, that certainly don't exist anymore. So uh last week the crab feeder, I don't think we saw enough of. Mm-mm. We we had small glimpses in episode two. Uh, and then he gets taken out at the end of episode three in in a badass way, of course. And oh, we didn't as, see it. No, we didn't actually see him get cut down. We just saw guts, sausages, his, his torso. Yeah. And as awesome as that whole scene was, I think we would have benefited more from having more time to want to see this guy dead. Yeah. And you know, I think part of it is like, you know, I'm a two sides. You know, it, when you think of you know, like slasher characters, like, you know, you're Michael Myers, you're Jason Voorhees. Part of what makes them so badass and monstrous is they don't talk. Yeah. This guy, we never saw him say a word. I mean, the crab feeder, he's not mentioned all that much in, in the book, Fire and Blood, you know, just a couple you know, sentences here and there. 
But I think that's part of what made him so monstrous in the show is that he didn't we didn't hear him talk. And I think it was an, a nice throwback to uh, Game of Thrones or throw forward. <laughs> yeah. But he was wearing a cracked Sons of the Harpies mask. Yeah. Uh, that's something that needs... Yeah. That, that mask needs to be explained because, like, these shows are separated by, like, 200 years. Yeah, right around there. But I wish we, we could have gotten more from him. Yeah. Again, doesn't need to talk, doesn't need to say anything, but I think if we'd have seen more scenes of him, like, torturing people and why he was such a threat, then I think we could have appreciated his death more. Although, Damon taking on an entire freaking army all by himself was enough. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> to satisfy us. Beating the messenger, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love he gets a message of offering help, and just sort of... Yeah, he has that expression where he's just like, oh, okay. Which I think was um, addressed, actually, in Game of Thrones, where... Uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody was, was brought a message. It was Maester Eamon, I think. At, yes, at Cast Black, and he said, why do we use ravens? Because my ancestor, Damon, once beat the messenger to death. And there you go. You know, and to me, Game of Thrones, this biggest badass Eamon Targaryen, only yeah. due to die a natural death. Right, of old age. Yeah, like, <laughs> he won the Game of Thrones. And only one person knew who he actually was, too. Yeah, and he kept that secret. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel like that, apart from those eagle-eyed viewers of us, I kind of feel like that reveal went a little bit under the radar. Oh, yeah. Um, But for Damon, uh, he obviously owned episode three in just oh, a few yeah. minutes without a single word. Now... As far as for people saying that Damon is carrying the whole series, I don't think that's fair. No. He, He's carrying a good chunk of it. Oh, yeah. He and Rhaenyra are clearly the two strongest characters, and I think, she, but I think she's just been just as memorable as he has. Oh, yeah. Um, so now we find him back in King's Landing, back at the Red Keep after offering his crown um, and, and the Stepstones to the king. I think we would be remiss in saying that it was obviously very suspicious of him to just return and hand over this crown of the narrow oh. seas. Um, as the episode goes on, we understand he does have hidden intentions for returning. We saw Rhaenyra use a secret passage to meet Damon and sneak out of the castle. Um, a few things happened in those in the streets, like she sees this play about her family and that's where she sees that the common people are very much against her inheriting the throne over her younger brother. Yeah, uh, it's tradition. Yeah, and, and this is something that Damon obviously wanted her to see. He wants her to know that the people would prefer her brother to have the throne. Oh yeah, it's, it was manipulating, it was like Damon wasn't stupid, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I think he always knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. He, like, he's a very complicated character. Like, he's a villain. We thought he was the villain in episode one. 
then he becomes this heroic figure in episode three and then it's manipulating character in episode four last night he's just every emotion you can think of towards a character you feel it towards damon and you know it it, it to me he kind of reminds me of a tywin and Tyrion kind of character like you know yeah. You want to feel for him, but at the same time, you want to just like shame, like, dude, what the hell? Yeah, very much like Jamie to the extreme. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, he can, he goes from one extreme to the other where you like, you absolutely fucking hate him, want him dead. Yeah. But, and the sad part is because of everything, and you touched on this, like, everything that uh, Renera has gone through, you know, she's very manipulated and, you know, easily pliable yeah and damon knew what he was doing you know he got her flustered last night and so she goes back and she ends up with uh the night i can't kristen cole yeah so and she gets him in possibly in trouble because you know if if they found out you know he'd be beheaded or sent to the wall yeah oh he'd be gone uh, and again, she's she's changed again. Like Damon takes her to this orgy, and the incestuous relationship begins. And now, all of a sudden, she's very promiscuous. Yeah. And is she probably going to end up with Damon? Probably. Yeah. I mean, without giving away uh, many spoilers, um, there's a few things that we've we know about the Targaryens. There's a few things we've possibly seen. Um, in terms of the Targaryen history, so you know it's not going to come as much of a surprise. No, I mean you got to look back to Aegon the Conqueror. Like he married both his sisters. Yeah, you know it. It even says in the book Fire and Blood, he married his older bro, his older sister Visenya out of out of duty. He married his younger sister Rhaenys out of out of lust. Yeah, see, and people thought Game of Thrones was shocking with the relationship between Cersei and Jaime. Um, that's, that's nothing. That's nothing, as we've seen in just four episodes already. We've had, you know, um, the Valerians trying to marry off their twelve-year-old daughter to the king. We've had, oh the, yeah, the king marrying his daughter's best friend and having kids with her, and now we've got Damon and Rhaenyra. <laughs> And it, it, it's it's obvious, Alison Hightower. She doesn't love. She has no feelings towards Viserys. Like she, no, no, doesn't love him. She she's become a complex character too, and uh, she's coming to see that the king only sees her as basically a baby making machine. And, I, and you know, I think part of it is like she's torn. Like because she's torn between her friendship and uh, romantic feelings towards Rhaenyra. And her loyalty to her father. Yeah, and again, he's very manipulative of her. You know, like I pose to you, you know, there are comparisons between Otto Hightower and Tywin Lannister. You know, there are people that are comparing the two. Are they the same? I don't think so. I don't think they're even remotely the same. No, I'd be more inclined to compare him to Littlefinger. Oh, yeah. he. I think... Otto Hightower is a little finger of the series. And we know how well it turned out for him. 
yeah. Um, his intentions are pretty much very clear. Oh, yeah. He he wants power. Oh yeah, and he's gonna do what I. I mean, he pimped out his own daughter. You know, you have the king who just lost his wife. Like I think when he sent Allison to the king, I think you know he had just lost his wife like a couple months. And he's like, hey, you know, got to get back out there. Got to get remarried. Oh, he's the king. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, I give him a minute. You know, let him mourn. And at at the same time, though, um, I think we had to side with Otto in episode four. Because he's not being deceitful. He's literally telling the king what he's been told about Rhaenyra and Daemon. And the king either doesn't believe him or doesn't want to believe him. Um, and I it think ends he up doesn't want to believe it. No, until Damon pretty much admits to it. Yeah, he's basically saying, in, "Yeah, I did it." In fact, he did more. Yeah, he did more than admit to it. He said, "Yeah, I did, and I I want to marry Rhaenyra." Yeah, you know, he's basically saying it's not without precedent. We're Targaryens; it's what we do. Yeah, and again, that's another thing about Damon. He's very much. Um, a product of his family's traditions. Yeah, and family. Nick, to me, Damon is more of the Tywin Lannister type than Otto Hightower is. Yeah, more about family, more about the name, and he damn sure knows how to win a fight. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like that that scene where you know he comes out of the cave carrying the crab feeder's torso and he's just caked in blood. Yeah. And he's smiling. Like he's just smiling, like you know, he just won the lottery. I'm sure that's how it actually felt. Like you dodged pretty much every arrow that was fired at you, apart from maybe one or two. He and then you just, oh yeah, he knew how to zigzag, and then just marches straight into this cave, comes out with the body. Um, I I think we need to uh, give a little nod to Leno as well, though, for flying in with sea smoke and causing some damage. Oh yeah, like actually, that scene we had two dragons working together, um. And this is also the introduction to us of it's not just Targaryens that are dragon riders. No. It's House of Valerian too, which, you know, I will say to me that was one of the biggest mistakes that they made with Game of Thrones was, you know, they made people think that House of Valerian was extinct. It, it wasn't. They still were very much alive. But they lost their dragons. Yeah. I think they said at the end the the last dragon was like the size of a dog. Yeah. Dog or a cat. Until of course uh the three eggs came into play. And those dragons weren't even fully grown. No, um like I've seen a size comparison of Drogon and Balerion. Oh. And obviously Balerion is enormous or was enormous. Oh yeah. Drogon didn't even come close, and he was still very young. Oh, yeah. like he, I think by the time the dragons landed in Westeros, I think 
Drogon was the Drogon and the other two were only like maybe three, three or four. Yeah, they were babies still. Uh, like Drogon's entire body was pretty much the size of Balerion's head. Yeah, and <laughs> my hope, and I know they've talked about this. I really would love to see a series about Aegon the Conqueror. Yeah. Um, those are two series that I want to see after House of the Dragon, Aegon's Conquest, and Robert's Rebellion. Oh, yeah. And, you know, even give us some Night King miniseries. You know, give you don't even need a whole couple seasons. Give us, like, you know, you can give us, like, an eight-episode miniseries, and I'd be good. Yeah. I just want to see Balerion. I want to see that. I want to see that drag. Like, I want to see him... <laughs> In all his glory, I want to see the field of fire. Yeah, but let's see Harren Hall burning down. And you know, uh, like, it's going to be a lot of CGI, but oh yeah, like there's so. Because I know one of the plans, and George R. R. Martin has talked about this, was you know he wants to see this in like the the MCU, which you know people have said, well, how can you do that? There's not enough. There is tons of stories that you can do. Yeah. The, the throne verse is huge. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you, I would love to see, you know, a, a Tywin Lannister series. Yeah. Like, when you, the, the lore behind the reigns of Castamere, do that. Like, show that. I think this is the great thing about uh, George Martin is, obviously, he wrote this story, Song of Ice and Fire, but he also wrote all this history that happened before it. Oh, like, yeah. It, there's so many stories to tell. And, and people, it's all canon. Oh, yeah. And people have, told, have said that, you know, he have called them the Tolkien of this age. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, the, the, I think there's always been comparisons between Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, especially now that we've got House of the Dragon um, and Rings of Power going head to head. Both good shows. I haven't seen any of Rings of Power yet. I think I'm going to get through House of the Dragon first and then just watch it all. I saw a little bit of it. It's it's not bad. Like, it's... People... And this is what I tell people. And it's with anything. You know, people went into Rings of Power wanting the Peter Jackson Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings Hobbit. Like, that's what they wanted. You're not going to get that. You know, it's like with House of the Dragon, like... People got to accept that this is not Game of Thrones. Like, this is not the same thing. It's different writers. It's different. It's different material. They say, well, the Iron Throne looks different. Well, of course it looks different. We know from history that it, it changed over time. Yeah, and it looks closer to the depictions from the books. Yeah, that, that thing in the books is monstrous. Oh, yeah, and it's huge. Like, there are steps to it. Like, it's literally every sword that was taken up against Aegon the Conqueror, he took it and had Balerion melted into the Iron Throne. To the point where a lot of subsequent kings didn't like sitting on it. Yeah, um, as it says in one of the books, um, the throne will cut people who are unworthy that sit on it. And obviously we've seen Viserys suffer from it and is suffering from it. 
Like, he, I got to think he's not long for this world. No. Um, we know he can't last much, much longer because obviously this whole thing is leading up to the Dance of Dragons and the, uh, the fight for the throne between all the Targaryens, basically. Yeah. You know, I think what this is doing, and it's it's very smart. It, it's putting this, letting us know who the players are. I mean, obviously we've got Aegon the second. You know, people say, "Oh, well, he's just a baby." Well, right now he's a kid. Yeah, and um, again, without giving any spoilers, I haven't actually read the book, but I've like seen a couple of posts about it. And without giving like too many spoilers away, Aegon's gonna grow up to be not a very nice person. No. It's a thing about people named Aegon, with except for you know Aegon the Fifth, who did not want it. No, <laughs> he uh, he all he wanted was to serve his queen. Yep, and he just he didn't want it. But it's I, I think they've done it masterfully so far. Is you know getting all the the pieces on the board. You know it's. Yeah, I think it shows you who the players are. It's Damon. It's Rhaenyra. It's Aegon the Second. Like it's, you know, it's House Valerian. Like where are they gonna side? You know, it's. I gotta think they're gonna back whatever side Damon's on. Yeah, the uh, the Valerians are very much dark horses in this war to come. Oh yeah, and they again, you know, everybody has been cast so well. Yeah. This this cast is amazing. Um, I knew I know we said right from the beginning Matt Smith was going to be incredible, and he he really is. And Patty Considine, you know, he's been fantastic as well. Yeah, like I I really really like Viserys in episode one, and the longer this series is going on, the more and more I'm thinking I he he's really not a great king. No, <laughs> he's he's too nice to be king. He, I mean, he was too nice. Now he's just too, I don't know, conflicted, um, under pressure, warped. And I think he doesn't. To quote Jon Snow, he doesn't want it anymore. I don't. I don't think like he he wants he wants his brother around, and I think with Otto Hightower, like he knows Otto is right. But he won't let himself admit. Like he won't let himself say that you know, yeah, she, my daughter did these things. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a lot easier for Viserys if he did have a son earlier on. Um, and as he said to Hightower in this last episode, he's still not over Emma. Like he doesn't care about Alison, but he did love Emma. Yeah, I mean he 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 likes. Allison, but you know it's you know she's just uh she's a baby making factory to him yeah that's all she's she's for pleasure but he emma was his soulmate and all he wanted was a son by her and he got it yeah just for a day um it's sad though i mean it's he he's very much a tragic story like he was, he should never have been king. No. But going history, after Jaehaerys died, there, 
or before Jaharis died, and he had to name an heir because all his sons were killed. Yeah. You didn't really have a whole lot of choices. You had, I think it was down between Jaharis, it was between Viserys and his sister. Yeah. And would they, I doubt they would have accepted her, uh, the sister as queen. No, no, very much um, how they don't want to accept Rhaenyra as the next queen, um, because there's never been a queen. So it's, I, I just think, you know, it's, it, it, it's sad, and Viserys, you know, he, he tries, but I think at this point, he's given up. Like, you had all that going on with the Stepstones. Should he have sent his people, his armies in earlier? Absolutely. You're the king, you have people incurring on your land, take them out. You know, show show force. And I, I think that's why Damon killed the messengers. He's like, you know what? You weren't there when I needed you. I'll do this myself. I think actually, no matter when um, Viserys could have intervened, I don't think Damon wanted his help at all at any point. No. I think Damon was still a little salty over the uh, getting stripped of the heir title. Yeah, it's a very complicated relationship between Viserys and Damon. Like, clearly, they love each other as brothers, but they don't really respect each other. No. You know, Damon wants what Viserys has. If he could have his brother and the throne, I think he'd take it you know so it's like now that auto is no longer the hand what do you do yeah uh i think that was a big big mistake for viserys like we've we've talked about how auto is very scheming and manipulative but oh, at yeah. the same time i actually do think he was in his own way very loyal to the king and i think part of the problem is like you know if i've been thinking of this strat- strategically Somebody like Otto Hightower, you want them close to you on one regard. You, if, if he's as scheming and conniving as he is, you don't want someone like that going to your enemies. No. You want somebody like that near you where you can keep an eye on them. Because, you know, look at Littlefinger. You know, when he was allowed to do his thing. He almost brought down the whole damn thing. Yeah. He's a much stronger ally than he is an enemy. Oh, yeah. Or if he's going to be an enemy, keep him close. Yeah. It's the old keep your friends close, your enemies even closer. Especially in this world. Um, but Damon definitely sees Viserys for, for what he is. He's a weak and feeble leader. Great man. But like you said, weak and feeble leader. Great man, terrible king. I mean, it, it kind of seems to be the theme <laughs> with, with Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, as far as qualities of king, I, I would compare Viserys with Tommen. Oh, Tommen was useless. He was manipulated by his mother. Yeah, and he he was still a boy. He never stopped being a boy. No. He he was naive, he was dumb. Um and he 
he probably had the cleanest death in the show. Yeah. Because we didn't actually see it, but it, he just fell up, jumped out the window. He didn't even a, jump out the window. He just dropped out the window. He pulled an Assassin's Creed. Yeah, he leaped, leapt to faith. I'm pretty sure there was no hay down there. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe, you know. Maybe he went to roll hay and just said, you know what? I'm going to go live my life elsewhere. Yeah. It's crazy to say it, but I think the the strongest king we've seen in House of the Dragon Game of Thrones so far was Robert. You know, he he wasn't a great man, but he was a good king. Yeah, he was fair. He was fair. He was he he had the respect and the loyalty of the Northmen. The only problem was he married a Lannister. Yeah, and he also liked to spend money. And drink. But he didn't know things. No. <laughs> so, certainly didn't know, uh, or maybe he did know. We just never found out his children's true parentage. I gotta, th- I gotta think that he had to have at least suspected. Yeah. I think he knew at least that Jamie had a thing for Cersei. Oh, yeah. And, like, what gets me is the fact that Tywin never knew. I think Tywin knew, he just didn't want to admit it. Yeah, much like Viserys doesn't want to admit about Rhaenyra and Daemon. It's like, you know, he thinks, well, no, no, this will never happen. It's good enough. Not in my house. Not in my family. Yeah, we don't do that thing anymore. Yeah, that that that's like that's old target. That's old. You know, we that, that's not our thing. I mean, having said that though, um, Emma, as as much as um, she was from the Vale, she did have Targaryen blood. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it, it's not. It's kind of what they do. Like, I mean, we saw it in Game of Thrones with Viserys and Daenerys. Like, we saw it with them. Like, Viserys kind of. If he could, if it would have been suitable, he would have gone for Daenerys. He would have taken her as his wife. Yeah, but he need he needed her as a bargaining chip. You know, I think you look at kings. Now he would have been an ineffective king had you know had Viserys lived and you know gotten to Westeros. Oh, he would have been a horrible king. I think he would have been worse than Joffrey. Yeah, definitely. And I think he probably would have wed his sister at that point. He, yeah, he um, was very much an older version of Joffrey. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe not as vicious, but definitely spoiled. Oh, yeah. Spoiled and just rotten. Just a rotten person. And entitled. Oh, yeah, like... He's that kid that you see in the grocery store that wants, you know, wants a ki- wants a toy, wants candy, and the mom said, "Mom or dad says, no, you don't need it," and they start screaming and belly aching. <laughs> you know, you know the type. Yeah. Um, so towards the end of the episode, like we said, um, Viserys strips Otto. As hand of the king claims, you can no longer trust him. Uh, whether that's true or not, or maybe he just because of the news that Otto gave him, which really he had no choice. 
Yeah. You know, and he was just passing on information. Um, so Viserys at the moment is about hand. And then all of this seems to happen in just like a fit of rage. And then, of course, he um, sends a messenger to inform Rhaenyra that she must wed uh, Lena Valerian. So next week, as the preview is going to show, um, we are set for a throne-verse wedding, which, much like as we know as wrestling fans, never goes smoothly. Yeah, weddings never go right. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder who's going who's gonna to come running down the aisle with a steel chair. <laughs> I think we're going to get right. more than chairs. I guess it'd be an iron chair. Yeah, yeah, it would be uh, a flaming iron chair, maybe. Uh, there's, there, but there's definitely going to be um, violence. Oh yeah, you know, if it's in the red keep, it'd be a red wedding. Mm. But do do we go that route here? I don't think we can go that route again. Like the the red wedding was just. In a world of its own. That was brutal. Yeah. And... Like I've, I've been re-watching. So the first time I ever saw that episode, you know, it was after it had aired. I had gotten home from work one night and I was fixed. I'd fixed myself dinner. And that was the next episode up. And I didn't know. Like, I knew that there was like a red wedding coming up, but I didn't know like name of it. I thought that was the name of the episode was Red Wedding. Yeah. And I see brains of Cassimir, and then I, and I see, you know, they're all sitting down, I'm like, oh boy. Well, let's just say I lost my appetite on that one. <laughs> um, and then I'm one of those who knew nothing. Like, I haven't read the books, didn't know anything about the lore or the history at that point. Um, so that Red Wedding took me completely by surprise. And there just are not enough words to describe the sheer brutality of that episode. And and for people that maybe don't know the lore, it's, it, it all goes back to Tywin Lannister. Like, the way it goes, it was when Tywin was a young kid, I think he was like in his early 20s, um, his father, Titus, was called the Laughing Lion because he was so... Whereas Tywin was, you know, all serious, all business... Yeah, Titus was more jovial, more, and Titus was known to give out money left and right, you know. And at one point there was house rain. Tywin went to him and just said, "Okay, time to pay up. Give us some, give us the money we lent you." And they all but laughed in his face. So Tywin, you know, not wanting to be made a fool of, said, oh, "Okay." So he brought his entire garrison to Castamere, and which which is the seat of house or was the seat of House Rain, and their castle was at one time a gold mine, and he had them seal up all exits and flood the entire thing. So literally everybody in the hall was drowned. The men, the women, the children, all of them. And that's where the song Reigns of Castamere comes from. So if you think back to Red Wedding, when the musicians start playing it. Yeah. And you just see that look on Caitlin Stark's face. 
because she knew. Like she knew that Tywin mate was making his move and that she wasn't going to make it out alive. Like that was that was the Lannister calling card of whenever they wanted to inflict damage and send a message, they did that. And that was their thing. So I mean, yeah. could we get a red wedding moment in this kind of in this series? Oh, I think it's coming. I uh, I don't I don't know what's coming. Like I I've seen glimpses, like on on wiki of ice and fire and stuff like that of um, the dynasty and all things like that. But I don't know exactly what's happening as far as the story progresses. But I am going to call um, Damon pulling an old Triple H next week and just interrupting the wedding and say, hold on a minute. Oh, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> you know, except she won't be passed out drunk and there won't be a wedding show. No. Um, she, she will have gone very willingly. Oh, yeah. Or they could, you know, end up being, you know, getting secretly married. Yeah, exactly. You know, find a drunken sect. You know, it uh, it's not without precedent in the in the Game of Thrones verse. No. Um. So next week is also going to be, I think, the last episode, uh, with the current cast as it is before we with time them, jump. With Millie uh, Millie Alcock, is that her Millie name? Millie Alcock. Yeah. Um, she has been amazing. She's completely broke out in this show, and it's going to be a shame to see her go. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, not that they're being replaced by inferior actors. Um, I'm sure we're still going to get some great um, awesome. scenes. I but think Emma Darcy will be fine. I think she'll do all yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen her in a couple of things. She is very, very good. Obviously, I've seen Olivia Cook in a lot more things. Again, Ready, for, for anyone that doesn't know... Uh, Olivia Cook was in Ready Player One. Uh, she played uh, Sam, aka Artemis. Yeah. Uh, she was also in Bates Motel. But I, I think you know the adult cast; they're going to be fine. Um, Millie Alcock, she is going to have a really bright future. Yeah, it's 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 bittersweet to uh, go through these cast changes. So. Um, it seems. Yeah, yeah. I wish we could have got like a season, maybe two of them, but you know, this story is moving pretty pretty quick. Like, like we say we say it's slow paced, but the actual overall story is moving pretty quick. Yeah. And I know that there's plans for at least two seasons. I know they've talked about planning to do like four. Yeah. But you know, it with the amount of time and everything, I, I don't see it going beyond four. I just, I don't. Not not at the speed. No, if if they'd have kept like the younger cast for a whole season, then maybe. I mean, maybe I I would say four, if they keep the episode count at like ten or twelve, four. Um, we're moving pretty fast though because. Like we keep saying, it's moving towards the... It's building up to the Dance of Dragons, the civil war between the Targaryens, which actually lasted a couple of years. So if... Oh, yeah. You know, it it can last a couple of seasons. You know, they... And 
I will just say, you know, without giving too much, the Iron Throne is kind of becomes like a hot potato. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I my hope is that it, this doesn't become like the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, like where, because the thing with this, this is all based on the book Fire and Blood. Yeah. Which is the entire Targaryen dynasty in, condensed into one book. Like, there's obviously, like, the dialogue we're getting, you know, is paraphrased. But at the same time, like, hopefully they do it justice. And I, I think they will. I, I think they've learned from the mistakes of the last series. I think they learned. Well, in all honesty, like, the last season was very well made in terms of visuals and, of course, music and acting. The problem was, of course, that the showrunners rushed it, scripted it like shit, and just didn't care. And what gets me is, like, like, people that work at HBO are like, yeah, we offered them, like, initially HBO wanted to do 12 episodes. Yeah. No, no, we'll do it in eight. And then they said, well, what about 10? No, I'll do it in eight. And didn't it end up being like six episodes? Yeah, six episodes. The first three were about the White Walkers, and the last three were about Cersei and Daenerys. And, you know, it's like the Dothraki dying, and then automatically they're back at full strength. They, they respawned. I think that was the mistake. Is And George R.R. R. Martin even confirmed that, you know, after I think it was season five or six, they basically locked him out. Yeah, well, after that, they had to make it up on their own. But he but, told them, like, how he was planning to end the, the series because, you know, he's an older guy. And, you know, he, his thought was, if something happens to me and I die, I want them to know how it's going to end. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem. Like, OK, they ran out of material because they caught up with the books. But he's still right there. Yeah, he he knows what's going to happen. Yeah, bring him in and just say, "Hey, how how would you do this?" And my biggest issue, if you go back to the lore in Game of Thrones, what is the rule with the Dothraki? If you slay their leader, you become the leader. So by killing Daenerys, Jon Snow became Call. The Dothraki outnumber the Unsullied. And Jon Snow being Aegon Targaryen basically meant nothing. Yeah, all these reveals and then nothing. And, like, Bran? Like, do they not realize that the last Three-Eyed Raven lived to be, like, 130 who actually, there's a theory that the three, yeah, the previous Red Raven was actually a Targaryen. Yeah, I've heard he's a, a rumor for House of the Dragon at some point. Yeah, there's a theory that he becomes, I think it's Brandon Rivers, I think. Yeah. I forget, because uh-huh. he's one of the bastard Targaryen. I can't, th- I can't remember who his father is, but there's a theory that he becomes, a th- he's a three-eyed raven. 
We uh we also saw Beric Dondarrion in this episode, but not the one that we know. A very different Beric Dondarrion. Oh yeah. Uh, the, th- this uh, one's not immortal. No. <laughs> and not it wasn't killed multiple times, but yeah. No. Different person. And Mike sure took him out. And yeah, it. The theory that the Night King was a Targaryen, no. I always liked that theory. I I go more onto the theory that the Night King was a Stark. I like both theories, to be honest. But all the pieces seem to be in place for the... Actually, you know what? The pieces were in place for him to be either Stark or Targaryen, and they just never went with either one of them. You know, we got the one scene where the children of the forest captured him and they shoved the dragon glass dagger into his chest. Yeah. And then the eyes turned blue. But we still don't know who he was. Yeah. Like, and so after Game of Thrones ended, there were two pilots that HBO commissioned. This and a Night King one. Yeah, they the original Long Night. Pilot. They shot the pilot. You know, but for whatever reason, HBO's like, yeah, no, nah, we're not going to do that one. Same with the uh, the Game of Thrones pilot. Like, apparent, that pilot was apparently so bad it almost killed the show before it even began. And F- thankfully, is, they just recast it. Is it bad that I kind of want to see it? I've always wanted to see it. Like, not to see how bad it was, just to see how different it could have been. And there's also scenes... That we never got to see in Game of Thrones, such as the Mad King killing uh, old Brandon Stark. Oh yeah, like killing you know Ned's father and brother. Like yeah, like I think they shot I mean, that entire scene, and it was in the trailer. We just never got to see it. Yeah, and you know, there's also mo- only thing we saw of Ares Targaryen was the whole burn them all. Yeah. And- I know they shot the scene where Jamie kills him. And, the, and even that, we only saw it at a glimpse. They could literally, there's so many deleted scenes, they could re-release, they could release a box set with all the deleted scenes. And people would buy it. Yeah, I, I mean, I would. I don't know why they haven't included it on, like, the complete box set now. Because what damage is it going to do now? We've seen the show. You know, they they got it like it's and that's something I've never understood. It, it it's like with with Disney and Star Wars. Like so, Rise of Skywalker. There's a J.J. Abrams cut, the his cut of the movie. Like put that out. You know, give you know show what he had. Like show if you're sitting on this material. I've never understood why they do that with movies. Like. Put it on. Put it out on video, like any DVD or digital release. Like, show people, you know, hey, this is what didn't make the final cut. Yeah, I mean, like Disney, you've got Disney Plus. You've got a streaming platform that you own. Like, it's not going to yeah. cost you anything. You know, have it, have it organized. Like, with with a lot of with like a lot of the online ones, like. You log in, if you buy a movie online, it'll come with the digital features. So do that. Like, I I just, I don't understand it. Like, 
show us, you know, the, the all the deleted scenes because there's tons of Game of Thrones. Like there's there's probably a season's worth at this point. Yeah, the the Peter Jackson cut of Game of Thrones. Yeah, give us the uh, the extended edition. But you know, it's I kind of want to see that original pilot just to see like how different it was and also how, if it really was that bad. Yeah, I I've been praying to see it ever since I heard about it. Um, I know a lot of people were recast. Yeah, um, particularly Daenerys. I think they made the right call there, though. Yeah, although there are a couple of scenes um, that they kept from the the original pilot with the cast that they didn't change. And obviously Tyrion looks very different between episode one and two. (laughs) Well, even, like, if you look at how he's described in the books, and, like, if you read the descriptions... Doesn't look like that at all. No, he's um, quite grotesque in the books. Oh yeah, he's described as being almost monstrous. But I don't think they wanted to portray that. No, um, Tyrion very quickly became a lot of people's favorite character. So I'm kind of glad that they didn't make him out to be like this monstrous-looking creature. Yeah, and you know. I think of everybody that was on that show, God, Peter Dinklage, I think, was the best. Yeah. It's, and to uh... me, the best scene of him, like, if, and this was a scene that I was shown that got me into it, was the confession scene when he was on trial against Jop- for Joffrey's killing. I think the scene that single-handedly won him is Emmy that year. I mean, such a powerful scene, you know, where you just see him just eviscerate everybody. And I think it made people just stand up and, like, look at him and just say, okay, you know. You know, it, it, it somebody like Peter Dinklage, you know, it made people take him seriously as an actor. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just a shame after the show that he's kind of come out with a couple of questionable comments. But oh, as far as Game of Thrones goes, he he was like the hero of the show. Oh yeah, you know I think when season eight, you know, before that was coming out, and you know there were the rumblings of a, hey, this isn't gonna end well. I think you know he did his best to hide his discontent. Yeah. Like uh, other people, Conleth Hill, you know. He didn't hide at all. There was that infamous video of uh, the first table read where you see him like reading the script and then just like throwing it down. Yeah. As soon as his uh, death scene was done, I don't care anymore. And it was done so horribly. Yeah. And then the infamous video on the red carpet of. the actress that played Masande, actor that played Grey Worm, and Amelia Clark, and they ask her, you know, have you shot your final scenes? And, you know, what do you think of the season? And they all kind of, like, look at each other, and she just nervously says, best season ever. 
And it's like, to me, that single interview, that moment, it's like, was when you know you're just like, yeah, this is going to be bad. I think um, Kit Harrington had the best idea of not reading ahead. So he discovered what was happening during those first table reads and his reaction, his genuine reaction to um, him killing Daenerys was one of the best reactions. He just could not believe it. And everybody else had already read ahead, so they were just waiting for his reaction. And there was an interview with Isaac Hempstead Wright, and when he read that he was going to end up as king, he thought it was a joke. (laughs) He even said, he's like, I I thought it was a joke. I thought they were kidding. And him? Who has a better story than Bran? Tyrion Lannister? Jon Snow? Like... Literally any of the people that were sitting up there, like, and then you just randomly let, you know, Sansa take the north. I do like that, though. I do, but I don't. Like, and then there's a there's a Prince of Dorne just sitting there, like, <laughs> you wouldn't let me be independent, but you let her. <laughs> Oh, what, because she's your sister? But then again, we all know Bran can control people, so is the North really independent? Yeah, good point. The The one defense I always kind of made for Bran being named King, though, which kind of justified it, was how are you ever going to betray him if he knows everything? True. Like, what, like what, in, in that sense, what more perfect person was would there be to be on the throne? I don't know. I, I still think he's the villain of the series. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm I'm not entirely sure who the villain is of this series. It just seems to be going back and forth. Um, what I love that's what I love about it. Like there it is, is no true hero. It's similar to Breaking Bad, and where there's like no good. There's no true good. Yeah. Um, everybody has their motives. Everybody, in a way, has a claim. Like you can you can speak a case for every character in this show. Um, and it just keeps evolving and evolving. So, I mean, I guess if I had to pick one, Alison Hightower, because like she is in an unenviable position. Like she's got her, and you can tell she's trying to re- to keep her friendship with Renera. She's trying. Yeah, they. She was. She was trying to repair that damage in the latest episode, um, and even defended Rhaenyra when the king was informed of what happened between her and Damon. So, and like she's basically saying, you can't do this. But you know, Rhaenyra's doing whatever the hell she wants to do. But you can see that Rhaenyra misses her friend too. Like as much uh, as she. You know, is very, I use that word again, hostile towards Alicent and very, very conflicted towards her. She still has um, that bond with her. Oh, yeah. And I I think she misses what she had with uh, Alicent Hightower because their relationship is different now. It's, you know, Alicent Hightower is the queen. She's also her stepmother. And, you know, I, I don't think Renera processed the death of her mother properly. 
No, and it was obviously very quickly followed by the death of her younger brother. And when you're in that kind of position, you're easily manipulated. And Damon manipulated the shit out of her. Like he manipulated her is how Otto Hightower manipulated Viserys. Yeah. I I think it also it spoke volumes how um the scenes where Viserys was in bed with Alicent and Damon took Rhaenyra to the brothel were mirroring each other. Oh yeah. I mean it was cringeworthy. It was very cringe cringeworthy and there were very very different emotions in both of those scenes, even though they were both kind of doing the same thing. I mean Alicent you know, it was just like, yeah, I can't be bothered. Just get it over with. Yeah. And I think Renera is too trusting. Like, I don't think she can see. I don't think she sees how utterly manipulative her uncle is. No, that that's the thing. Like, early on, she kind of knew how dangerous he was. But now there's just nothing but this weird attraction yeah it's i guess you could say it's a toxic attraction oh definitely um it's well, just it's not it's not good like it's i mean i know a little bit of things but this can't end, this i i can't see this ending well oh this is gonna end in blood plain and simple in, in um in those famous Game of Thrones words, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Oh, good old Ramsey Bolton. <laughs> yeah, there was an interview with uh, the guy that played him, and they said, you asked him, they said, what's the biggest thing that surprises you? And he says, that people actually like my character. He was an amazing, hateful villain. Oh, he was perfect. And... The the actor's actually a pretty good musician, too. Yeah. And Welsh. And, you know, you, you, hear, you hear his voice and you're thinking, wait, this is Ramsey Bolton. Um, There's so much, though. It's like, this is not going to end well. No, and I, I'm very intrigued as to how much of a bad person Aegon II is going to grow up to be. I've heard he may grow up to be worse than Joffrey and Ramsay. Yeah, that's a distinct possibility, you know. And that's one of the great things about this universe is, like, there's really no true good. There's no true evil. But you do have some people that, you know, are bad, but you understand them, like, Ramsey and Joffrey, you kind of understand them when you look into their history. Ramsey, you know, what Ramsey, Bat, Ramsey Snow, Ramsey Bolton, you look at how Jon Snow was brought up. You know, Caitlin Stark treated him like shit. Yeah. His entire life. But Ned did all he could to raise him with love. You know, he loved him. He loved, you know, treated him as, as he was his son. Ramsey knew nothing but coldness. His father, his father didn't love him. 
and he had the whole title of being a bastard just thrown at him constantly. To the point when he finally got his father's love, he didn't want it. No, he wanted nothing to do with him. I mean, once he got his the, the Bolton name, he killed his father, killed his mother, or his stepmother, mm. and his half-brother. In one of the most violent ways. Yeah, and just so matter-of-fact, he just was just like... And he and, felt nothing. No. And look at even, look at Joffrey. Joffrey was corrupted by Cersei. If you look at how she raised him, it was all about him. He was the top, he was number one, you know. She made him that way. If you take somebody like Joffrey and under different parentage, or under a different environment, would he have been that bad? I don't think so. Because Tommen wasn't. No. And actually, neither was Marcella. No. And it is said that Marcella... If you recall when Bran was yeeted out of the tower, they were worried about him. You know, it's... Joffrey is just like, eh. Yeah. He is his mother's son. Yeah, and also having all that power at such a young age, he knew he could get away with anything, and he did. Because Cersei told him, because Cersei didn't care. Like, when they were talking about, you know, when Sansa was supposed to be went to Joffrey, Joffrey didn't want her. And Cersei's like, you don't want her, you don't have to have her. Just when it comes time to make children, that's all. That's that's the only time you need to do it. Yeah, and that, that's a recurring theme in House of the Dragon, too, as we've seen clearly in this last episode. Um, oh, yeah. They, they've pretty much been brought up to believe that that's all men see women that are, are good for in this world. Yeah. You know, it's, I think the one difference is with Viserys' first wife, Emma, like, he loved her. Yeah. And, you know, I think... I think Viserys tries, but I just think he's at that point where he's just like, you know, his wounds are spreading. Physically and emotionally. I just, I don't see him, he's basically hanging on by a thread. And it's sad. Um, I don't know how long he lives for in the books, so honestly... I think we've got one, maybe two episodes left of him. Oh, yeah. Like, if they stretch it out, maybe into season, end of this, you know what, maybe it's going to be, he's going to have, like, the Robert Baratheon where he dies right before the end of the season. And if that happens, then that just means something even bigger is going to happen at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe it's uh, a fire wedding. Yeah, I often forget, too. Like, Ned didn't die in the last episode of season one. He died in the second to last. You know, he's another one. Like, I I love that, you know, they had him on all the promotional posters. Like, you see Ned Stark sitting on the throne. You think, oh, yeah, it's going to be him. 
when do things work out for Sean Bean? Exactly. Really, we should have known. It's Sean Bean. He's going to die. He's going to die or he's going to be the bad guy. It's one or the other. Or both. Like, (laughs) I always wanted to make a movie and just have him be the hero and everything work out. Yeah, I actually struggle to think of a movie he's been in where he didn't die. National Treasure. I thought he died in that. No, you got arrested. Oh, okay. (laughs) But again, he was the villain. Just one time, like, I think he plays it, like, I don't know what it is. In, in, In the States, like, all the best villains are always played by British actors. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's just the way it is. Like, they're... Like, you look at certain movies and just Matt Smith, uh, the kid that they're... I I can never remember his name. The kid that played Joffrey. Oh, um, Jack Leeson? Yeah. Who was in Batman Begins. Yeah. Batman should have killed him when he had a chance. (laughs) But he looks so different now, Jack Leeson. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think he even acts anymore. He doesn't need to act anymore. No. Like, and they were going to, he wasn't, his death wasn't going to happen when initially it did. But he told him, he's like, yeah, guys, I'm, I I think I'm going to go. Well, I mean, he, he did enough. Oh, yeah. And his death was so well done. Like they got, they ripped it right from the book. Yeah, because they had the material. Oh yeah, that's why it was I so still, good. I still think of that of the second to last. One of the best moments was Elena Tyrell and Jamie Lannister. You know where she says, "I would hate to end up like your son." Yeah, you know, you know, it's like Jamie kind of re- is starting to think what's what she's saying. And she just chugs down the poison. And she just says, I want her to know. Tell Cersei it was me. And just dies. Like, that is the final middle finger, and I love it. I think that's one of the most frustrating things about those final two seasons is that there were some really, really good moments. Oh, yeah. It's just that the whole thing was rushed. Oh, yeah. Like, I would have loved to have seen more with Liana Mormont. Yeah. You know, I would have loved to have seen more between her and Jorah, but we got that one little scene. Yeah. Before the long night. There's a lot more they could have done with flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Like, ah, there's just so much more they could have done. Uh, So hopefully we keep, well, once they age up, we uh, slow down the pace a little bit and we 